It's a new chapter in Lunch Hour Legal Marketing today, and uh, I will, I'll just let him say something. I'm not sure it's a better chapter. Well, I didn't say that. It'll be a different book. It's like a new phase of the book, and it's going from Kelly to Conrad, which is going to go from... I mean, Kelly's really friendly and happy, and I have not heard anything but optimism coming from Kelly. This might be a dark turn in the legal lunch hour. <laughs> this is the dark lunch. <laughs> this is the lunch that you're kind of not sure you should be listening to, but at the end of the lunch, you're like, wow, I'm glad that we listened through that. This is one of those lunch bags that's like greasy at the bottom. It's like leaking with something. You're not sure if you can eat it, but it turns out it's cheeseburgers and it's delicious. And it's delicious. And you're going to take it away, right? You're going to want another cheeseburger. That's the goal here is that you come back and get another cheeseburger. So uh, exciting episode today. We're going to tell you how to get $340 million. But only at the end. You've got to listen to the banter. The darkness. The, the darkness. At the very end, we will give you $340 million. Guaranteed, I promise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's strong. That's uh, Conrad Som at Mockingbird. Conrad, can you say the uh, address of Mockingbird for people that want to write to you? I'm going to send out your uh, cell phone number for everyone. It's uh, 734, I believe. All right. Let's dive in. To lunch hour legal marketing. Welcome to lunch hour legal marketing with your hosts Key Sakalakis and Kelly Street, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. And I'd like to take a second to thank Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at www.nexa.com. So as we were bantering about, we have a new co-host at Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, I would like to formally welcome and introduce Conrad Sam. Conrad. Thank you for having me, Guy. Now, as I introduce you when I introduce you, we should really hate each other. We should be vicious competitors. And I would say in some cases we are, but we're actually really good friends and have been for quite a long time. Only in triathletes do oh. we compete. <laughs> Oh, by the way, it's triathlons, not triathletes, which means that I am the triathlete and you are not. That's correct. That, <laughs> I, I made that abundantly clear accidentally. Uh, so Conrad, for those people who are not familiar with your infamous AVO days, tell us a little bit about yourself. You want to go straight to AVO. Okay. Because we may have just lost some of the audience right there. <laughs> and they might have lost some traffic. <laughs> they have lost some traffic, we think. So I got my start in the legal marketing world. I got pinged by this headhunter when I was working at some online marketing firm. And they had this idea about lawyers. 
and they wanted to know if I wanted to talk to this startup, uh, which at the time wasn't really formally called Avo. This was pre the actual name of the company. And so I was fortunate to sit down with uh, Paul Bloom and Mark Britton and talk through an interview about SEO at the time. This is this goes, by the way, this goes back to 2006. Pretty much nobody knew what SEO was in the legal world. And so I sat down with my friend, uh, Mark Emer, who at the time was running marketing for Zillow. He and I were B-School buddies back at the University of Michigan. And Mark and I, go blue. We had a couple beers together and Mark taught me everything I needed to know to ace my interview at Avo. And the good thing for me was I got to do two things. One, I learned SEOs from some really, really amazing people. Because back in the day, the SEO community was A, very small, and B, extremely tight-knit. And then the other part that I got was I got to field all of the angry calls from lawyers who hated AVO and the AVO rating, uh, specifically the AVO rating. And so we, we eventually ended up with a customer service team. Um, but when there were lawyers who were really, really hot, I got them. And the cool thing for me, Guy, I this must be super sadistic in my personality. I loved it. I love talking to lawyers when they were pissed off. And it was really, really good training and exposure to the legal industry um, about how lawyers think, what's important to them, how to deal with attorneys on a regular basis. And frankly, like this is super corny, but it's how to deal with people. And it was really, really great on the field training in the legal industry, but but especially how to interface with, talk to, and and ultimately build relationships within the legal industry. Awesome. And then eventually you loved lawyers so much, you founded your own business, Mockingbird. Yeah. And now you get to deal with lawyers every day. Which which I still, for the most part, love. Now the five percent of you who are assholes, like we try and stay away from you right off the bat. But really lawyers make amazingly good clients. You have high expectations, you have high expectations of communications. Most of you are really smart in terms of marketing and you're aggressive and it's it's a great fit for my personality. And so it's been really fun. And Gee, we can't forget Zippy the Chicken. Oh, that's that's really who should be co-hosting the show. That is a hundred percent who should be. One day we will do this with video and I will bring Zippy into my office and we can have Zippy the Chicken here. We'll do a Zippy episode. We could do a zippy. In fact, you know what? The guys who run... So let, let's back up for our listeners so they don't think we're just absolutely bananas and we lose them. They already know that. In the first four minutes, they're like, I'm done here. They're talking about chickens. The reason I bring up Zippy the Chicken is... And I do this pretty much in all of my introductions. And in fact, I've included it in the um, bio in my book. There's a company called Lawyers of Distinction out of Florida run by a lawyer who essentially will let you claim that you are a top 10% of all lawyers in the country. The downside, of course, is that they actually don't do anything. You just pay them $700 and you get the plaque. And you actually pay them $700 a year for the plaque. So we'll go into that at one point in time. My point being, I had my chicken Zippy nominated for and receive the top 10% lawyer award. And I, and I did an expose on that to talk about how awful A, this company is. But I use it as an example to talk about how lawyers are this horribly easy mark for legal marketing agencies. And really a lot, and you know this really well, a lot of my time has been spent on exposing some stuff that I really, really don't like. And that's 
really how I set up the agency Mockingbird. It's like if I had my if my brother was an attorney, how would I want him to be treated by his agency? And that's really the foundation of how we've set up the agency and why I do what I do. Awesome. Well, aside from having a lawyer chicken, the reason that I was really excited to, to welcome Conrad uh, as a co-host of this show is because, and I don't say this lightly, Conrad is one of the uh, very few digital legal marketing people that I would you know, have my brother hire if he was in need of uh, digital legal marketing services. Really, really smart, really sharp. I think he's going to bring a whole new bend to the show. So really excited to have him. But let's let's take a step back and kind of talk about that for a second. What are we here to do? What is our objective in this new chapter for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing? What do what is, What's your big idea for the show? What are some of the things that listeners can expect from this new chapter? So I think the real key here, and this may not resonate with everyone, but this needs to be tactical. I want people to leave this. And I. the interesting thing is, you and I have sat through untold number of legal marketing presentations, and most of them are high-level fluff, let's call it that. And what I found with my presentations when I do it in person, the best prezos that I give are just an amalgamation of very, very highly tactical pieces that people can walk away with. And, and in many cases... I'll, you know, I, I have a presentation called 30 things for do-it-yourselfers, right? And most of the time when people listen to that, they don't come away with 30 things. They come away with four, right? But it's four super tactical, relevant things that they can go home and execute on. And what I'm hoping we can do is leave our listeners at the end of the lunch with a short list of things that they can go back and do right now, or that they can do differently, or they have questions about, or that they need to dig into, but it's it's gotta be tactical. And my whole perspective on working with lawyers has always been, the more we can give you to do, the more you'll come back and listen to us, right? Awesome. So I hope that our listeners will hold us to that promise. As always, we continue to encourage folks to uh, send in topic ideas, questions. Uh, if you want to be a guest, we're still going to have guests. And so with that, let's also talk about something that uh, is recently on our, you're in my mind, uh, you just published a book. I did. We should not make this all about the book, right? We won't. But I think okay. be because you and I are going to, you know, we're local SEO people. We're going to bring it up. Sure. And and I think in light of a lot of the flux that's going on right now and issues related to the pandemic, um, people are going to have are very interested in ideas and solutions uh, related to local. And so it's worth mentioning that you wrote a book about it. So the book is called Own the Map. It's put out by the ABA. I'll tell you, Guy, if anyone is ever like, hey, Guy, you should write a book. It's a great way to market yourself. It is a labor of love. Hmm. I am fairly certain that even my mom and my wife will not read the book because it's super technical. It's a very small audience, but it's technical and tactical. And Guy, in a example of horrible prescience, I launched a book about marketing a physical office for a law firm right before the COVID crisis hit. So... Terrible timing. However, and this becomes really fascinating, the concept of local 
and COVID and what's going on with all this right now is very, very real. And it's very much in flux. Google's ability to deal with how reviews are handled during the COVID crisis, for example, has thrown everything out of whack. And so local marketing is extremely important still. The fundamentals in the book, like get the book, it's fantastic, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's tactical. It starts with business metrics around what you should look at. But the local nature of legal marketing, I cannot underemphasize just how amazingly local what you're doing is for almost every legal practice. And you need to kind of put your mindset in the notion of, I'm not marketing like most companies do. And, and, and the way you think about most companies market, I'm marketing very, very locally. And some employees have done an amazing job of doing that. And some of them completely missed the boat. Yep. Good stuff. You know, and that kind of brings me to another thing too, is that we've talked a lot about is there, there seems to be a proliferation of legal marketing expertise. Uh, I've noticed it a lot on Facebook. Like every oh. other post is like some sponsored get rich quick as a lawyer scheme. Now, obviously I'm getting targeted because of, you know, one, the sites that I consume, I go to a lot of lawyer websites and I, you know, probably has lawyer in some of my profiles. Um, but wow, it, there, you know, it's having done this now for, uh, you know, 11 or so years, uh, it's really, really uh, congested. And a lot of the information is like worse than I would have expected to see from snake oil salesman 10 years ago. Well, I think what's happened, and, and, and you're right, I, and, and I, I almost correlate this, Guy, to COVID, right? It's, there's been a correlation, or, or maybe I'm just paying more attention to Facebook, but the, the sheer volume of people who I have never heard of before, ever. And, and by the way, I'm not saying they're all terrible. I've listened in on a bunch of things, and there have been some good nuggets, but there are a lot of people in this marketing game right now who have come out of nowhere. And they may be great marketers. They may be. They may have done a really good job with car dealerships and are moving to legal. And they may. They may tactically be really good, but there is. I mean, my Facebook feeds look looks like. Uh, it, it looks like the entire world is doing nothing but legal marketing. Ah. Uh, so one of the things that we would like to make a recurring uh, feature, I suppose, of the show yeah. is you know not calling out individuals or companies necessarily. Not necessarily, uh, but, but well, we I'll might. leave that to you. But the, <laughs> so, yeah, so for those of you who are listening, I had this great conversation with Guy about three years ago, and we were talking about our experience in high school. And I was like, yeah, Guy, I was always the one who was kind of getting in trouble and picking fights. And, and Guy turned to me and he said, and I was always the one behind in the background going, do it. Do it, do it. <laughs> what an so indictment on us. <laughs> but it, should so, be, it leads to some fun stuff. So Guy will probably be polite. I'm more happy to call some stuff out. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But No, not it, at all. That's, I think that's good for our audience to know. Yeah. So here's one example. Have you seen these uh, interstitials yeah. or COVID pop-ups that um, block out the entire... So when we say interstitial, what we, what's an interstitial, Conrad? Yeah, so an interstitial essentially takes over the screen. And back in 2017, okay, so to, so let's back up a little bit. COVID crisis happens. One of the things that most law firms figured out they needed to do was let people know that they can still be contacted. 
And in fact, some law firms can't. Like some law firms are still really struggling to do basic intake, right? So, Gee, you must have had this experience. You call into a law firm, you talk to a front desk, you know that front desk is working from home because they tell you, I don't know how to transfer you to marry the attorney because we're all working from home right now. And so that's not set up to be working from home. That means you can answer the phone. That doesn't mean anything. Anyway, I digress. The interstitial, it became very important for lawyers to communicate to people that we're still available for you, okay? And there have been two different approaches. And by the way, this is the feature we're gonna, we're gonna do this regularly. We're gonna call this dumb stuff lawyers do. And we'll pick something out. We won't necessarily always talk about who it is or, or, or the vendor in, in question. But for dumb stuff lawyers do, some of you guys are running these pop-up interstitials to tell people that you are still available. Now, and, and the pop-up interstitial looks like this, and this is why Google hates it. It pops up over all of your content and it requires the user to interact with it in order to get rid of it, okay? It's super annoying, no one likes it. And Guy, back in 2017, Google was very, very clear that especially on mobile devices, this would have a negative impact on SEO performance. And I'm yet, I'm seeing these interstitials all the time. Are you seeing them as well? Yeah, and in fact, we see them even outside of the context of COVID, we see the uh, chat interstitial that blocks everything out. And so if you're at home listening to this and you're like, I don't know what interstitials are, it doesn't make any sense, pull out your phone, go to your website. If something pops up on your website that blacks out the entire screen so that there's just an interface, either announcing your COVID information or a chat or an email, subscribe, uh, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Well, hold on. I'm going to oh, take this one step further. Please. And I'm going to I'm going to be mean. This is where I was the mean kid in high school maybe. If you have an agency that put that up and they are an SEO agency, right? Why? They should know. It's 2 years, 3 years ago that these became a no-no from a Google perspective, and everyone knew it and everyone changed their their ways and the, and, and many of the chat vendors changed the way their interfaces work, blah blah blah. If you have an SEO expert who's added these interstitials, do you really have an SEO expert? I would ask yourself that question. You know, it's funny. We actually, I've experimented with using interstitials on our site. I think we have one running right now. So people can call <laughs> me out for that. Uh, but it's not a does COVID it, one. Does it run on your mobile site? Uh, no, it doesn't. That's right. That's that's the key here, right? Yeah, so, right? So this is like going back on the Google mindset here. It's super annoying on the mobile device, right? And so this is really heavily hit mobile and it was specifically focused on Google's work to improve the mobile experience. Yeah, it's annoying both ways. I mean, let's face it, the purpose is, is trying to capture emails, but um, there are better ways to do it. You really ought not to use these. So, you know, take that into consideration. I think it's an important point, particularly on mobile. Good stuff, Conrad. Now let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional more than just an answering service. Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. And we are back. 
And we're back. I listen to the Pod Save America guys, and I've always wanted to do that because they always come back with, and we're back. So, okay. There we go. That's, that'll be a thing that we can do. Uh, another <laughs> uh, feature, we think it's a feature of the show, is listeners ask. So, we, you know, we've really, it's really been part of our, uh, the mantra of this show to get feedback and answer questions. So even more, I think the idea here is we're going to make it more of a regular part of the show uh, where we are going to address, even when we have guests on, address specific uh, listener questions. And how do you prefer to get your questions, Conrad? Well, I would say if someone can't find you or me on the internet... Well, mine we, is hard we, to spell. Yours is hard to spell, but you're findable, right? <laughs> um and I'm findable. If if we can't be found on the internet, either we don't deserve your questions, or you shouldn't. You don't deserve to ask them to us. <laughs> How's that? How's that for an indictment for insulting the audience right off the bat? No, I think that's right. I would go Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. If you can't find one of the two of us through either of those things, where you should hang up and stop listening to us right now. Google. There's this thing called Google. <laughs> yeah, that's works. That's a big one. Okay, so we're really open to getting questions. If email, whatever you can, however you find us, ask your questions. And let's go to some questions that we have so far. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you the first one because this is your client who I told, this is a great, great, one of my favorite I don't know if stories. my client wants to, you to out him as my client. Oh, fair. Okay. We'll keep this quiet. We like, all right, we'll, we'll do, hmm. Now, now I have a conundrum because right. I'm not supposed to share their name. All right. So someone who was your client who actually approached me and was like, hey, Conrad, I'm thinking about changing marketing agencies. And we had this long talk and I looked at all their stuff and I was like, wow, your agency is doing an amazing job. The last thing you should do is leave the agency. And they're like, yeah, it's Guy. And I was like- And I owe you a beer. Okay, well now, now this all makes sense. Anyway, the question is, if you're starting a law firm, what's the best way to differentiate yourself from the other millions of lawyers doing what you do? Taco Bell commercials. Taco Bell commercials? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Super no, Bowl commercials? We- Super Bowl commercials, you know, we'll, we'll we talk about let, that when the Super Bowl comes back. Well, I think the one I was thinking of was actually a Super Bowl Taco Bell commercial. But in any event, um, no, seriously, it's a great question. And, you know, I we're both uh, big David C. Baker fans. Business of Expertise is the book about probably, you know, we should try to get David to come on the show. Maybe we can twist his he arm. He won't. He won't. Throw some money at him. Well, yeah, in any I, event. A um, lot of money. Yeah. Positioning. So we're talking about differentiation. Some people will call it positioning, unique value propositions, unique selling propositions. That is really at the root of marketing, right? How do you stand out in a crowded field? One of the things that we talk to uh, young lawyers or uh, lawyers that are maybe not necessarily young, but new to practicing law, starting a new firm, or maybe they're leaving their firm, uh, is to think about ways that they can have a competitive advantage. So if you are a newer lawyer, it's foreseeable that maybe you don't have a lot of clients. So you've got to turn the fact that you don't have a lot of clients on its head and position yourself as you can provide extra service because you have more bandwidth, or maybe you're a little bit more tech savvy. So that's something that you can stand out on, but you've got to find things that are actually true to the way that you can practice that actually are unique, right? I think the challenge becomes you think you're saying something unique, right? You know, how many times do we hear people say, well, we have 500 years combined experience. Nobody has that. It's like everybody's saying that. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? 
So, I mean, I would take this one step further and I would let the who you are come out. So it's the messaging and positioning is typically like a, like the business side of this, but for, for lawyers, the who you are is very, very important and it's very distinguishing. And most of you go out of your way to market yourselves as being a lawyer and they already know you're a lawyer. They don't care. Right. So the positioning, and this may work for some firms, I'm not saying no one should do this, but having a, being a middle-aged white guy in a dark suit with a red tie and a white shirt and a good haircut, sure, that says lawyer, right? But so does every single other picture of a lawyer. And so if you really want to stand out, if you really want to be fundamentally different, I would embrace the who you are. I was on this call. Uh, this was uh, uh, Ernie Svensson did a marketing boot camp. We had the Zoom call, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, one of the questions one of the female lawyers asked me was, um, I want to have two different websites. I'm, I'm a therapist and I'm an attorney and I need to have two different sites and I'm not sure how I should do that. And I was like, why would you ever separate those things? Being a therapist and a, being an attorney is being a therapist anyway, right? All of you know that. And that is really going to resonate with the right audience for you, right? And the person who doesn't, who rejects that concept is the wrong client for you, completely wrong client for you. So let who you are, and, and it can be, I mean, it can be anything. I'm an immigrant practicing immigration law. Very easy story. I went through what you're going through. I I'm gay. I am a woman, right? Like I am I am really, really deep into living in Ann Arbor because I'm in Michigan, right? What whatever it might be, there's something there's I do mountain biking, I do triathlons. Like who you are as a person is so important when people are hiring you. And you all just try and look like white middle-aged men standing in front of leather-bound books. And the scales of justice. Yep. No, I think there's a lot of a lot of good points in there. And this goes, this is just kind of another way of thinking about it more from a framework, but it's really trying to go down to identifying that audience that you want to serve. Some of that might, you know, ideally, if there's an intersection between the causes and things and the affinity groups that you're passionate about or that you're a member of, that's where it really, really works well. So the things that Conrad was talking about where you're serving a community that you are a representative member of, that's very strong positioning. Um, but I think you can think about it in, in, in really kind of from a framework standpoint, two general ways. One is, is to say, you know, we've got this idea of horizontal positioning. So that might be a very specific practice area. So, you know, I don't know, I was thinking uh, DJ Laser Beams came to my mind. DJ Laser Beams? Yeah, Jason I, I, Beam. He's gonna, he, so he, the point is, is that he's serving people in a very specific community and specific context of practice. So that's one way to do it. And then the other one is what you'd call, you know, vertical positioning. And maybe I got those backwards. I always screw them up. But um, the other one would be that you have a very specific practice area itself. Or maybe I already, already say that one. Anyway, one is, is identifying your audience from like a demographic psychographic and going really deep on both of those. And the other is, is going very specific on a practice area. Um, so, you know, people will say things like riches are in the niches, stuff like that. It's the same kind of concept, but it's trying to put a little more meat on the bone so you can think about how you can start to develop this differentiation. And, and again, th this is something that I think that this isn't a do it once and you're done. This should be, right. you should be constantly reevaluating this. How is it resonating? 
do you stand out in an audience? Do people identify you as that particular type of lawyer, that particular type of expert, or as a leader in that affinity group, if that's what your positioning is? So great question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack the next question to answer this question. And then we need to start talking about COVID because that's the big tactical headache right now. Lawrence Coletti, who asked the question, said, do you have any favorite marketing books that you recommend for lawyers? Okay. Here's the answer, Lawrence, and this goes right into what Guy's talking about. There's a book by Harry Beckwith called Selling the Invisible, and it is all about positioning and messaging and making, and, and specifically for service-based companies, which lawyers are, as our agencies. Who are you? What makes you different? And why that difference is so important. So I would absolutely read, and it's an old book, but it is fantastic, Harry Beckwith's Selling the Invisible. There you go. COVID. See, I told you, we told, we warned the audience we're going to take a dark turn. It's hard not to, but that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a global pandemic, so I think it's worth at least acknowledging that it's going on. <laughs> you would hope. So, <laughs> Guy, one of the questions that I get a lot and we're seeing in the data is that this is impacting different practice areas differently. Some are up, some are down. What are you seeing? Yeah, same. I mean, it's it's um, the juxtaposition between practice areas that are like booming right now and those that are starving is really stark. And I, the other thing that I tell folks and when we're having conversations about their practices is that even if, you know, if you're a motor vehicle accident lawyer and nobody's driving your area and vehicle accidents are 40% down, which, you know, side note, I think it was uh, Minnesota. I think we talked about this last episode, but Minnesota and Missouri actually had a spike because even though the total number of drivers was down, people were driving more recklessly because the roads were empty, but side note. Um, yeah, so, so the serious accidents were up and the total number was down. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, um, but, but anyway, I, I think that finding, so goes back to marketing 101, you know, who is your audience and what issues are they dealing with that you can help them? So you know, some obvious ones to me are like, you know, workers' comp lawyers, some of the worst comp lawyers we've had conversations with would say, well, you know, nobody's at work, so there's no comp claims. It's like, well, did they get sick at work? Are you putting out content raising that question? Are there issues that relate to, you know, contracting COVID while at work? If you're an employment lawyer, there's all sorts of issues that touch COVID. And so I, I think that regardless, you know, I think there are some practice areas that things are just honestly on pause. There's just not a lot you can do. In those cases, you're either riding it out or if you have experience in another area that might be spiking, for lack of a better word, that's something maybe you can bring that practice back. I'm not big. I've seen this conversation floating around the web. I know oh, where I'll you're just, going with this. Yeah, I'll start a new practice. In bankruptcy. Right. Like, right. If, you know, one, I think the obvious one there is, is like, if you don't have experience doing that, you're just going to make things worse for people because you don't actually have any experience doing that. And uh, realistically, like if you don't have it, if you have no background in actually helping people in that context, like don't do it. But but are there opportunities to uh, build referral relationships? Like sure, right? So like if you have an audience built in, if you have a an existing network, and you can be a leader in your community, and people are coming to you for uh, with questions, and um, you know they they want information, perhaps you can refer some of those out to lawyers who are qualified to do that. But Anyway, that, that was kind of a rant. Yeah, it's, it's affecting different practices all over the map. 
So that that specific one uh, about bankruptcy, one of the things we've seen with some of our larger clients that have a, a, a distributed practice. So like if you're in a tertiary market, you might be the big law firm, right? We're definitely seeing, I, I'm thinking of three of them specifically, moving what lawyers are working on, right? So, and and some of them are now working kind of under supervision of the bankruptcy person, right? And so the more distributed, it's essentially portfolio theory on practice areas, are able to kind of weigh this out a little bit better. Wills and estates booming. I do have a question for you. So wills and estates are obviously booming. One of the funny ones that I've heard, we've got two clients in this boat, patent lawyers. I don't know if you've had this, Guy, but I've got two patent lawyers who are slammed and their their concept is people are sitting at home thinking about how to do something right. and they're coming up with ideas and calling patent attorneys like crazy. They're figuring out how to uh, trademark different versions of COVID plus something. <laughs> so that's a, that's been a very real thing that we've we've seen. Wills and estates, bankruptcy, definitely. I'm curious, Guy, divorce. the The narrative has gone, "Hey, everyone's going to be at home." And I've and I've, I've anecdotally talked to a couple of attorneys who are showing this. Everyone's at home dealing with a spouse that they didn't like for the last five years anyway, and so there's going to be a spike in divorce. And yet there's nothing moving in divorce. So I'm seeing divorce lawyers extremely frustrated despite that kind of narrative. Yeah, I've seen some of that. Sadly, I think the other thing that if you look at some of the, I mean, even just the news stories and some of the expectations from forecasting is that very sadly, there's an increase in domestic violence. There's an increase in child abuse. Um, there are definitely issues. One of the things that came up right away, not necessarily divorce, but in the family law context is, you know, you're sheltering in place. What happens if you have, if you're sharing custody? Right, uh, right. How do you navigate that? And so, so some of that, so I think, yeah, I think, you know, the maybe, maybe divorce is kind of mixed right now, but there are certainly a lot of tangential family and family criminal uh, issues that are sadly on the uptick. And, and I was even talking to somebody that, that buys ads on and for that, and they've seen that there's been a lot of, um, there's an increased search for those kind of queries. Well, and the thing here is the justice system is going to have to adapt to this. The answer can't be, we're going to stand by as domestic violence happens because of COVID right, right now. Oh, and that's been a positive, right? I mean, it's kind of forced the hand of a lot of these courts. Yeah. So the end result here is all parts of society are going to adjust to living like this. It's not going to be acceptable to just sit by and let these things happen. And it's going to move things forward. Additionally, and this is trying to put a bit of a cherry on a dark Sunday, a cherry on a dark, that's a terrible Dark Sunday to go with your dark lunch. Okay. Well, we'll, we will, we should strike bad metaphors from the, from the record here. Um, But it's going to move the legal system towards technology. It just has to. And that will mean speed and accessibility. And that is a really, really good thing. Yep, absolutely. And you know, here, and here's another thing. So today we're recording this on May 13th. And at the risk of stating the obvious, neither Conrad nor myself work at the CDC. Conrad, you're not a virus expert, are you? No, but, I'm, but we, we can bring someone on. We could bring Maybe on an should. epidemiologist. We'll I, I think that. we may, that may get so political that we alienate half of our audience again. Right. So I'm trying to uh, navigate <laughs> that uh, with my disclaimer. However, it's May 13th today. And right now, there are a lot of states that are open for business. You know, I was on a call earlier today uh, with people 
uh, and states that it's business as usual. And so I think that's another thing just contextually, because people are, you know, I'm a, I usually am in Illinois. I'm in Michigan right now, which is still under essentially lockdown. Illinois is under lockdown. But the experience nationally, that's another thing that's really become, you know, I think people are experiencing is that it's a much different experience depending on where you are. Yeah. And so I think you got to think about that in your messaging because I've seen some attorneys. Now, now one, like you said, I think you got to be who you are. You got to stand for what you believe in. And so, you know, putting aside the politics of it, be who you are and stand up for what you believe in, number one priority. But number two, in some of your messaging, just keep in mind that if you market to a broader audience, not everybody is living the same COVID experience as you might be. Right, right. And the, you know, I think it's a really good point. We have seen massive differences in the data on search queries by state, right? And by region. So, and, and even within a state, right? So there's, I'll use Washington state, which is where I am. There's very different experiences if you are in Western Washington and Seattle than if you are in a very, very different market in, in, in Eastern Washington. And so I think one of the things, that, and going back to like the original theme of this, we want to be super pragmatic. I think lawyers need to get a feel for what is search volume like for what you do? How do you get a feel? How can you use math to actually identify what's going on as opposed to, frankly, listening to CNN, Fox News, et cetera, to get a feel for what you should be doing with your business? Totally. Another one too, and I take even one step further. I know we get this as a rabbit hole that you and I will have to try to avoid going down because we are search nerds, but you know, traffic for traffic's sake does not pay the rent, right? Mm. So I see a lot of lawyers who are like, oh, my traffic's through the roof. And then you dive into their queries and you're like, none of this is relevant for you. So Because they're not in the same state. <laughs> or the same country. Right. Uh, right. Um, we do great in Uzbekistan, Guy. Right. Uh, my, my, my direct traffic. Crush it from Uzbekistan. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, but in the context of COVID, you know, excuse me, there's been this rush to put out, you know, COVID intersectional content and... Okay, so maybe from an aware, you know, if you're a big awareness person, you're getting some awareness by people coming to your site and seeing COVID-related content. But unless you're capturing their attention, either getting them on a an email drip list or something else, or getting them to download something or something, that traffic is just bouncing, and you're never going to see it again, except for maybe that you planted the, uh, some top of mind awareness in their head. So it's just something to think about. Maybe you do some retargeting, but like this is a long, long-term branded play that if they're looking for COVID information to come to your law firm, the likelihood that they get in a car accident and call you in the next, you know, 12 months from now, that's a, that's a stretch. Yeah. Um, it's the other thing, Guy, that we have definitely seen, and this is with good quality traffic. We, we've seen, a, frankly, it's a reduction in the speed with which people are connecting with lawyers and the urgency with which people are connecting with lawyers. So we did this great program with uh, Google uh, the other day. It was a webinar. And one of the things that the Google representative um, showcased was actually an increase in legal specific search queries. And th there was almost a revolution, uh, an uprising on the webinar because people were like, that's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I'm seeing. The phones are dead. What's going on? What's happening? And yet when we look at the actual data, what it, it actually corroborates what she was seeing. And I'll use employment as an example. There are a lot of people with a lot of employment questions right now. 
a lot of people with a lot of employment questions right now, but they're not hiring lawyers. They're not even, they're, they're in the research phase. So we talk about the marketing funnel. They're so high up in the marketing funnel that they're not contacting you. So one of the, one of the metrics that we came across was in pay-per-click while there has overall been an increase in the costs for pay-per-click, even though a lot of you guys have jumped out of the market, the actual conversion rate, the number of people who contact the law firm after clicking on an advertisement has actually dropped by 14%, right? And so that's not insignificant. You're still getting the volume, but people just don't want to talk to you right now. People aren't ready to pull, like this is the ultimate tire kicker problem. And it's happening from what we can see kind of across the spectrum. And that's, you know, I'm going to always hold our feet to the fire about this tactical stuff. So what do you do if you're attracting whether you're buying it through paid or you're tracking it through organic to all of this traffic that is interested in the topic, they're doing the research, but they're not ready to hire you. And, you know, that gets number one the thing that comes to my mind is get them on an email drip. So whether that's, you know, stay up to date with the latest COVID employment news, stuff like that, you're turning that one maybe untarget or research-based query visit into something that you can stay in touch with over the long term. Yeah, so email is one of them. And I would take this a couple of steps further. You've got retargeting, okay? So What's retargeting, worst, Conrad? Oh, what is retargeting? Retargeting is, I'm hoping that everyone knows this by now. If I look at a, a Nordstrom post on fuzzy bunny slippers today, I'm gonna get nothing but fuzzy bunny slippers in advertisements, no matter where I go on the web for the rest of the week. Now, in legal, by and large, Retargeting is difficult because you're dealing with a lot of private personal information. The worst example, of course, is a divorce attorney uh, who does retargeting and my spouse gets on the family computer and gets bombarded by ads for divorce law for men, right? Not a really good approach. So it's difficult. Retargeting is much more applicable on Facebook, right? There, there are much fewer restrictions on what you can do for retargeting on Facebook. But retargeting is something where you can stay in front of people. But I'll take this one step further. There are a lot of people sitting at home right now I think being accessible, and we have a bunch of clients who are doing this, being accessible as the lawyer to help, right? And this can be on social, this can be on podcasts, this can be via the phone, this can be the, the quick and easy conversation, right? Being more accessible without the expectation that this is going to turn into a client is super key. So you you switch your mindset from come in for a free consultation and which is really a sales pitch as everyone knows. You switch that message to how can I help you? What are the questions that you have, right? And maybe we can do this online, maybe we can do this on Zoom, maybe we can do this over the phone, but you guys now have this opportunity to be much more accessible and approachable and and available at weird hours than you ever were before. And I would embrace that wholeheartedly. Totally. You know, we, one of the, in the same line, it's, you know, we've been talking a lot about adjusting messaging to be more, showing more empathy, more gratitude. And it's funny though, it's sad and funny, but you know, this is the kind of stuff that we've been talking about for a long time, right? Cause it we right. worked even before COVID uh, 19 came. Um, but in this environment, it's that much more important. It's that much more important and it's that much easier. It's so easy to be helpful right now, right? Like there, there was, I don't know if you saw, this is a great video. This, this hit this morning and it's a very short clip 
It's of these two young black men handing out pizza to the homeless. I don't even know where it is, but it's it 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 is it is a jarring thing that you just don't expect to see, and it's so great, and it's so easy to make it great. Like the world is just desperate for something positive and beautiful right now, and it's so easy to step into that as an attorney, right? And and I'll even say like this doesn't have to be legal, right? Go go be a part of your community. Go give back. There's there's never been a better opportunity to give back to where you come from than right now. Absolutely. All right, we're winding down towards the end of the episode here. I want to hit one more I know more that point. you wanted to get yeah, one really important yeah. point out there. So this, this, is, this is money. This is a question. We're, this is real money. This is 340 million reasons to listen to the end of this podcast. Okay, we should have started with that. No, then everybody would stop listening. No, no, no. We should have started with, we're going to tell you at the end of the podcast how to get $340 million. Maybe our brilliant editors can find out a way to magically yes, make that happen. Yes, we should do that. We could just like, okay, so many of you, I hope, have heard about the $340 million that Google has set aside for small businesses from an advertising perspective. And you should, at the very least, be aware of this. This is going to be rolled out starting the end of this month. And there are a couple things that qualify you for this. And by the way, Guy, this is much easier to apply for than the PPP. Ha, no way. <laughs> we could do a whole Impossible. whole call on that, right? Uh, anyway, for those of you who went through the PPP process, God bless you. For those of you who are now dealing with the changing ramifications of, of how to stay in compliance, good luck. Like I, this, this, anyway, that, that's a, a, a diversion that we don't need to go into. So Google's, and this is coming directly from Google, $340 million set aside for small businesses. Here are the qualifications. One, you must have spent in 2019, you must have advertised during 10 of the last of the 12 months of 2019. Two, you must have also advertised in January or February of this year. Three, there's nothing you need to do in order to actually apply or get access to this stuff. It's just going to start magically showing up from the Google Ferry in your accounts. Hooray. Hooray. $340 million. Now my $340 cynical, million reasons to listen to us. My Go cynical, be cynical. I can't help be it. Be cynical. My cynical uh, mind is like, oh, Google's just... Uh, Selling back some fraudulent clicks to you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I can't have that kind of conversation here. I know. I'm a Google Premier partner. I have to right. represent their brand well. No, I'll tell you, you my sell, cynical you part slang of clicks. Here's the deal, Guy. This is the cynical part of me that I think is a very real thing. If you have an agency who doesn't give you access to your, what I believe to be your Google AdWords campaigns. People do that? It is a practice. I know. I know. By the way, so this is the dark side of this. If you have an agency that doesn't give you access to your own campaign, you have no idea if you've received that money or how much money you've received. You have no idea. Mm. And the real cynic in me suggests that your agency is going to use that money and charge you for it, right? That's not oh. an impossible... Gee, have we not seen worse behavior among legal marketers? Sadly. Yeah, sadly. So for me, and, and I asked, actually asked my Google rep, I was like, listen, how can you find out how much money's been allocated to you? And she said, ask your agency. All right, go ahead, ask your agency, see what happens. 
There you go. Now, I will, I will stop interrupting and we can have a beautiful finale to my first episode here. Yes. Well, I would just like to say thank you for participating in this, Conrad, and I'm really glad to have you aboard. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to this more than I probably should. Folks, if you're listening to this, you think it was great, you think it was lousy, you have show ideas, please don't hesitate to give us that feedback. And if you just stumbled across this episode and you're like, what the heck is this? Please do go to your favorite podcast subscribing tool, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. And subscribe. Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. And uh, thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.